This is the Out of Character Podcast. Introducing your host, Brian Colbert. Welcome, world, welcome to episode 25. That's right, 25 episodes, ladies and gentlemen. Episode 25 of the greatest podcast in the world, the Out of Character Podcast. As always, I am your host, Brian Colbert. My friends call me BC. You can call me BC too if you're listening. If you're listening, we appreciate you for listening. If you're a returning listener, welcome back. If you are a first-time listener, welcome. We hope you enjoy episode 25. And if you do, subscribe, follow, and catch up on the other episodes because we promise y'all we're constantly building, we're constantly getting better and better each and every episode. And we owe that to y'all. We owe that to y'all. And with that being said, ladies and gentlemen, we celebrated a big milestone. The Out of Character family celebrated a huge milestone recently. We celebrated three years of out of character and ladies and gentlemen three is not only my favorite number it is also my lucky number so i was very very excited about this third year and i feel that this third year is going to bring so many exciting things we really got the ball rolling when it came to the podcast the podcast is doing great the youtube's doing amazing all of a sudden it's just starting to grow and we really feel like we've caught stride and we owe all of that to the loyal listeners, the loyal viewers, the loyal followers, the loyal likers, the loyal sharers, the loyal subscribers. Y'all are the reason we are able to continue to do this and the reason why we're able to continue elevating. The more support, the more love that y'all give us gives me a chance to be able to do more and more things. It makes my outlet bigger and it allows me to do dope fun hilarious things for y'all man and it means so much to me man i love entertaining y'all i love making y'all laugh i love sharing with y'all i love growing with y'all y'all get to see me grow in action y'all get to see me prepare and get better at a craft that i've worked on my whole life so the fact that this exists man the fact that we're at 25 episodes the fact that i have created a company that has lasted three years and has grown and gotten better it's very slow it's not an easy process let me tell y'all ladies and gentlemen that the path to this point we got a long long way to go but the path to this point so far has not been easy it's been a lot of trials and tribulations but we are so happy we are here and in honor of that third year i wanted to give you a little background on like why out of character started how out of character started and like i said we got some new listeners following so you know i want to make sure everybody is aware of what's going on so y'all really can understand how much this means to me and just how much it means to me that y'all are even listening right now so three years ago out of character actually started at espn ESPN was giving me opportunities to do these funny segments with the anchors, with the Sports Center anchors, Kevin Agandi, L. Duncan, anchors like that. They were allowing me to try to show their fun side. They, there was this initiative they really wanted to show a different side of our anchors. And I came up with this idea, this idea to, you know, put them in maybe awkward situations where you ask them questions that maybe they're not ready for. You know, sports anchors are used to answering the same generic questions. Oh, how did you get into journalism? Oh, where did you first work at? Blah, blah, blah. Where did you go to school? All those like generic questions. And I thought, man, what if we hit them with the wild questions? Because athletes always get the wild questions from these journalists, right? They're always getting put on the spot. So why not put our sports center anchors on the spot and just kind of show that, yo, these, these people are fun too. You know, they have personality. They have a good time. So I was able to work with some very, very dope ESPN folks, man. A bunch of cool people were able to jump on, and we made this really dope segment for the NBA playoffs. And 
I was in an edit room and I didn't know what to call this thing, right? I knew I wanted my name on it because I knew I wanted people to know and know who Brian Colbert was. I wanted there to be ESPN and Brian Colbert for sure because my dream was always to be holding that ESPN mic, being on camera and doing on-camera stuff for ESPN. So I wanted people to know, I right, listen, guys, I accomplished it. I did it. Here we are. So it was ESPN and Brian Colbert, but didn't know really what to call the segment. It wasn't sponsored by any company or anything like that. It was just something I made up from scratch. And... I've had, I think, little, like, you know, you always make little dreams and make little journals or notes about shows you would create. So, you know, I had little show names that, you know, were old and outdated, of course, but I never really had any experience of making a show name. But one thing I've always done in life, right, I always believe that things come naturally. Things happen exactly when they're supposed to happen. Ideas come exactly at the right time when it's time to execute them. And I just knew that as we edited this piece, something would happen that would spark an idea and give me the name of what is now out of character. So we're doing it and we're cutting it and like, man, we're getting to the, we're getting to the crunch time now. We're getting to the point where the piece is almost completely done. It was like a five part series and we still don't have a name for this. We still don't have this ESPN and Brian Cobra present blank. Yo, we didn't have anything. And me and my editor, and this, these is long days. When you're creating a whole segment from scratch, you are in edit rooms for hours. I was editing far longer than it took me to interview this talent and talk to people and do all of the shooting. It took way longer to edit. So you're in these edit rooms for eight to 10 hours a day. And we're on the 10th hour of like our fourth or fifth day. And we're sitting there and we're like, dang, man, we're pooped. We're exhausted. And a lot of times when you get tired, you're like, oh, man, I'm never going to come up with anything creative. It feels as if, you know, your brain just shuts down. But we, we just kept going. We kept cooking. And we're having a conversation and really just talking about what it is that we're trying to accomplish with this segment. And the editor actually was just talking. He was like, yeah, because you get these guys to, you know, just be different and goofy. And they act a little out of character and blah, 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 blah. And he started going on this rant. And then out of nowhere, I was like, that's it. Out of character. Out of character. I don't know. That's it. That's got to be it. And I, I texted a few friends. I texted a few people on my chicken. He was like, yo, what do you think about this name? What do you think about this name? And it was actually positive feedback for the most part. And it just sounded good. And at that moment, at that moment, Out of Character was born. Out of Character was born just from this random conversation with an editor, with a close friend. But when we created that at that moment, I don't think we really knew what would happen from there, what it would turn into. Because like I said, this was something I was trying to do for ESPN. I didn't really want much for it. I just wanted people to know I created it. I wanted people to see my face. Outside of that, I didn't really ask for nothing. I was working overtime. I was doing stuff. I wasn't asking for anything extra. I wasn't asking for a promotion. I wasn't asking for a title change, nothing. I just wanted to show the world and myself that I can do this thing with the best of them. I wanted you to see me and see this ESPN talent, these people that have been on TV for years, and see me next to them, and I wanted to show y'all that I can hang with the big dogs. Because it's ESPN, it's the worldwide leader, right? I wanted to show the world and myself that I can hang with the big dogs, and that's what I did. It was successful, it was great. People loved it, people watched it all through the company. To the point where I thought Out of Character could be something that is an original series for ESPN. So ladies and gentlemen, I did what I have been told to do my whole young career. I pitched, I talked to the top people, I had meeting after meeting after meeting after meeting, trying to explain to this company that I love so much on why they should give me a shot, on why this type of content is so necessary. And ladies and gentlemen, I am very sad to say, but it worked out, but at this point it was, it was rough. 
I just got a lot of doors closed in my face. Oh, no, this is not what we're trying to do. Oh, no, this isn't the style of content. We're trying to stay serious. We're trying to stick to newsy things. Oh, this is not what we're doing. This is a little too much, blah, 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 blah. Heard all these no's. Heard all these no's. When you hear no's, what do you do? Go back to the drawing board. Try something else. Try something else. And while I was doing that, while I was at the drawing board, and this is maybe a couple months because this stuff takes time. All of a sudden, every day I started seeing new content on ESPN, on their social platforms, on their commercials, on their promos, even on SportsCenter. All of this content was just popping on the screen, and it all looked very, very similar to what I had done. And it had not been done at ESPN before, what I was doing. Not the style of editing, not the style of silliness. And ESPN is always very newsy, very straight up. And outside of a, a few shows, they don't really have a lot of like edgy content. And that's what this was, quote unquote, edgy content. But like I said, day after day, all of a sudden, those same people that told me no were saying yes to other people that looked a lot differently than me. Yes, ladies and gentlemen, I'm talking about white folks and other races that are not black. They allowed them to create and make videos and content very similar, if not identical, to what I had pitched to them on Out of Character. To the things that they had told me, no, Brian Colbert, we are not trying to go this direction. We want to go a different route. Yes, you are talented. Yes, we love that you did this. Yes, we love that you took the time to do it. Yes, we're going to post it and use it. Because it works. But we're not going to allow you to continue to do it. We don't like the precedent in a sense. What producer comes over and becomes talent before he's even 30? Who does that? We're not letting you do that is the conversations I was having behind closed doors. And it was heartbreaking. It was heartbreaking because I had put so much time and energy. And this isn't the first project I had done for ESPN. I had been making original content. I had been doing all of these different things, trying to show a company that I know needed me and needed my skill set that I belonged, that my dreams were real and that they weren't just dreams that i actually have the talent to do this i worked for years on it people and yes ladies and gentlemen when you are trying to achieve something we were trying to achieve a goal that's what you do that is what you do you work your butt off so i am not complaining about that but when doors are closed and slammed in your face when other people are allotted opportunities that you have been begging and pleading for Ideas that you came up with yourself. It hurts. It hurts, ladies and gentlemen. And let me tell y'all, if I'm being quite frank, it was devastating. It was something that really set me back and honestly made me question my whole career choice. Now, no, ladies and gentlemen, I would not allow anybody to defeat me. That's not how I am. I do not allow things like that to break me down. But just imagine this is your dream. This was my dream. This is something I had worked my whole life for. And it felt as if the things I had grinded for, the ideas I had come up with, the type of content and style of editing that I was trying to sow into the DNA of ESPN and make it my own, felt like it was taken from me. And when that happened, after I picked myself up, because it took a minute to dust myself off and shake it off, because I was done. I was done. Oh, I'm not making no more ideas. I'm finished. I'm through, man. Forget this, man. I, I can't believe that happened. How could they do that? How could they do that? Oh, woe is me. I felt so bad for myself. But once I realized 
Feeling bad for myself wasn't going to do anything. Wasn't going to put food on the table. It was not going to help me accomplish my dream. Once I realized that, I decided to make my own content. Because what I realized is that when I shared what I created, when I posted what I created, it had the same effects that when ESPN posted it, when ESPN social platforms posted it, when they posted it on their page. People were coming to my page to share it, to like it. And it made me think, well, what do I really need ESPN for? Yes, it looked cool having that microphone with the ESPN mic flag on it, right? The logo right there holding it. Something I've wanted to do my whole life, right? And now I'm honored that I've been able to do it. And I do plan to do it again. I do plan to have that microphone in my hand. And I do plan to be on y'all national televised airwaves one day. But at this point in time, that was something that just wasn't possible. It was told it wasn't possible to me. So I said, why hold ESPN's mic? Why represent that logo? When I could have my own. Now, granted, it was very, very small when I thought of, yo, what if I just make my own little Instagram page? Why don't I make my own little YouTube? It was a very, very small idea. And it was for the same reason that I did this little segment for ESPN. It's because I wanted to show that I can do this. And like I said, not just to the people that were watching and listening, but to myself. Because I have known at a very, very young age what I wanted to do. I knew I wanted to be in front of a microphone. I knew I wanted to be in front of a camera. I've always known it. When little kids wanted to be firefighters and, and astronauts and pro athletes, I wanted to be on ESPN. I wanted my dad to watch me give the news and talk about the highlights and give the sports of the day. Because that's what he loved to do. Every day my dad tuned into ESPN. So I said, I'm going to be on ESPN. So every day he tunes in to see his little man doing his thing. Because then I've made it. Because then when my dad knows that his son's on ESPN, nobody could ever say, I didn't make it. And I always felt that way. And that's what I just wanted to do. But ladies and gentlemen, I had to humble myself for a second. I had to bring myself back and ask myself, well, what if I can still be on camera? What if I can make my own content like this? I know how to edit. I have friends that are editors. I have friends that can shoot. I have cameras. Why don't I try this thing out on my own? Because I'm not going to let anybody tell me no. I can't. I have come way too far in this dream to allow a company, an entity, a person, a boss, a supervisor, a manager, whoever, stop me from doing what I was put on this earth to do. So I said, listen, I'm going to make this out of character page. I'm going to make this little Instagram, YouTube page just so I can show everybody that I was right, that I can do this, that I am cut for this job, that I at least deserve a shot to do what I set out to do. All I was looking for was a shot, ladies and gentlemen. That's it. All I was looking for was just a shot. I, I didn't really think, oh, I'm going to be three years into this. I just kind of thought that, oh, this will just give me reps. That's what I really wanted. I wanted reps. I wanted a chance to keep my on-air talents strong because all, I do mostly only produce things, right? I'm always creating and behind the scenes. And a lot of times, that's a whole different part of the brain. 
So not only do I want to be an amazing and great producer because I feel like it'll help me be great on TV, but I want to be great on TV separately and be a great producer. I want to have both of these working at all times, right? Now, would I agree to be like, okay, we're going to make this out of character thing. We're going to try this out. I had no clue the type of work it took to have like a quote unquote brand. Like I said, I wasn't taking it that seriously. I didn't want millions of followers. I wasn't trying to go viral. I wasn't making like weird creep cringe videos to try to, you know, get on world. So I wasn't doing things like that. Like I said, I was just trying to show y'all that one, I'm creative. Two, I can make original segments and ideas and that I also am talented. Let me show y'all what I can do. And it, it worked in a sense. It worked. It worked. Oh, out of character grew. People began to know me as not just a producer. They began to know me as somebody that belongs in front of the camera. I hear it all the time now. Oh, man, you're made for this. Or somebody will get a chance or an opportunity. They're hosting something or doing something. Maybe they're not that good at it, but they got a shot. And people will hit me up right away and say, man, you should be the one doing this. You should be the one doing this. Oh, man, this person will deserve that. You're so much more talented, which is awesome. It's not, not something I can say. Not something I will say either. I think everybody's blessings come at the time they're supposed to come. I think everybody is deserves and earns the things that they get. So I would never say that. But it is an honor to hear. It is lovely to know that our character has done what i had built it to do it solidified not only myself to others but myself to myself and to my loved ones that y'all listen i'm nice at this i'm really good at this and this isn't even something i do full-time either this is something i'm doing part-time on top of two other jobs but it's still something i show a lot of passion is and it's still something i feel i excel in but like I said, when I started this, ladies and gentlemen, I did not think it was going to be something that lasted this long. But what, I, what ended up happening was, like I said, people started showing me love. I started getting the recognition that, you know, OK, Brian, this is what you're supposed to do. Keep going, keep going, keep going. And that keep going, keep going attitude. Don't stop. Don't stop. Keep making stuff. It just it snowballed. It snowballed. And now we're three years in. And ladies and gentlemen, it's flown by. It's flown by June 9th, 2018 is when we made our first OOC post. That's wild. That is wild. 2018. Three years ago. And it has flown by. And we have done amazing things. We've traveled the country. We went to Canada. We've been to Seattle. We've been to Cali. Boston, New York. And we're not even close. Like, we haven't even scratched the surface. We really haven't even gotten the resources and the money and the financial backing that a lot of these outlets have. But just imagine when we get that. These are the things that excite me. These are the things that continue to keep me going without a character. These are the things that have gotten me through these three years. That and you all, ladies and gentlemen, the people that support and show love. Because y'all don't have to. There is plenty of people that are close to me, that care about me, that I care about, that have chosen not to support or show any love to out of character. And that is completely fine. Because nobody owes me anything. But absolute strangers. People I have never physically met in my life. Go out of their way to comment. To reach out to me. To DM me. To share things. And it's like we have a whole family of people. That like I said I haven't even physically met yet. And it's beautiful. It is amazing. Because like I said I never would have thought that it would turn into this. But ladies and gentlemen, three years in and we are here.
It has turned into this. It has turned into something that y'all enjoy, that I love and enjoy. It keeps me going. On my worst days, I can just focus on out of character, and it just makes everything feel better. Because like I said, this is what I want to do. This is what makes me feel good. You know what I'm saying? It feels a passion. It feels a void. I can't imagine what I'll feel like when I get to do this full time, when this is my job every day. And ladies and gentlemen, now that's the goal. Like I said, the goal before was just to get reps. But now the goal is to be able to do this as a career and do this with y'all every day. Make content, make y'all laugh, entertain y'all, and have a lot of fun. And ladies and gentlemen, there is so much more to go. Wait till y'all see what city we hit next. Because outside open. People getting vaxxed up, which means that I can get out on these streets, put the mic in people's faces, and hear what they have to say, ladies and gentlemen. Three years. Three years of out of character. Thank y'all so much for being a part of this. Thank y'all so much for supporting. This is episode 25. Episode 25 of the Out of Character Podcast. As always, I'm your host, Brian Colbert. My friends call me BC. You can call me BC, too, if you're listening. And if you're listening, we appreciate you for listening. If you're a first-time listener, welcome. If you're a returning listener, welcome back. We hope you've enjoyed so far. We had to do a little victory lap real quick because three years is a big deal. Three years is a big deal. And ladies and gentlemen, not only is this the 25th episode, not only is this the episode celebrating three years of out of character, it is also an episode dedicated to the life of my late great grandmother, my nana, my mother's mom, passed away this past week. Yes, ladies and gentlemen, I say that with a heavy heart because, yes, that was my last living grandparent. That That's tough. It's tough to, like, come to that realization that, yo, no more grandparents exist on this earth anymore for me, right? So that's a lot of free game. That's a lot of old stories. That's just a lot that's just gone now. And that's sad, right? But we do know that death is a natural part of life. And without giving up too much of my family information, let me tell y'all that my grandmother is a lot of, you know, a lot of minorities that grew up back in the day have a lot of trauma. They've been through a lot of things. And my grandmother was a fighter from the minute she came out the womb to the moment she took her last breath. She was a fighter. And yes, life wasn't always great to her, but she found a way to make it through. She found a way to have seven beautiful children. Yes, I have six aunts and uncles. Yes, I have a very large family on my mom's side. And she found a way to help play a part in raising the woman I love more than anything on this earth. And that is my mother. Yes, ladies and gentlemen, I am the biggest mama's boy on the world. And so I always felt super, super close to my Nana because she was just an extension of my mother. My mother's mother, the woman I love more than anything on the earth, her mother, my grandmother. And we were very, very close. I would spend a lot of time with her during summers because both of my parents worked. They had very, very strenuous jobs. So a lot of times me and my sister, when we didn't have school or camp or anything like that, we had to go places. And it it was always Nana's house. We would always get taken up to Sacramento and we would go spend time with her. And just a lot of my childhood memories are at my grandmother's apartment. She was amazing. She was a queen. And no, I'm not bringing all this up to somber the mood. I just really want to celebrate her. Because like I said, life wasn't always great to her, right? She had a lot of trauma. She went through a lot of things. But one thing she always managed to do was be an exceptional grandmother for me. And first, actually, let me start by saying, 
my grandmother was one of the funniest people on earth she was hilarious i loved being around her i loved going to the supermarket with her i loved being out with her because i knew she was always gonna say something wild i knew she always was gonna talk trash about something or someone now i do not speak spanish i am not fluent in spanish but for some reason when my grandmother speaks Spanish, I know exactly what she's saying. So when she was cursing, when she was saying all kind of mess about the lady ringing us out and all that stuff to my mom, oh, I was all ears and I was listening. And I'm cracking up because there's one thing as a young kid, especially when you have strict parents, you can't wait to be around those adults that curse, that say wild things. And that was my grandmother. She said what was on her mind. She gave it to you straight up. And that was something I always loved and respected about her. In a world where people don't give it up for real, where people aren't very honest and they're very around the bush about things, she always kept it funky she always kept it real no matter how insulting she was and let me tell you she could be very insulting much like myself but she always gave it to him straight so i loved being around my grandmother i loved it but because she was so just straight up and, and, and very just hardcore right she tended to rub some of the family the wrong way but not me not me she loved and adored her little man her little man was me and I know this because, and this is the story, ladies and gentlemen, my grandmother, my Nana, was terrified of flying. She would never do it. If there was an event that wasn't in driving distance for her, she would not be there. The only time I got to see her is if she was taken to our crib or if we flown out to her and remember ladies and gentlemen i grew up military so i lived all around the world so we were in all a bunch of different countries my nana was having no parts of it my grandfather came and visited we had other family visited but my nana had no parts of it because she was devastated by the thought of flying she didn't like planes she was born in an era where planes probably didn't exist i'm not sure when planes were invented but she's been around a long time so she just was not comfortable with flight and we all understood that and we know when people have real fears that's terrifying it's like crippling like people cry they just think it's ridiculous when you're really scared of things so none of us ever expected her to fly and it's 2014 i'm about to graduate and i'm sure there was a time where my mom was asking me like yo who do you want to be at your graduation and honestly me like i'm very much like my father to where i really only care like about my like immediate immediate family that's my mother my father and my sister like if they're there if they're with me that is all i need anybody else is a bonus so i really didn't have like a list for her i'm just saying whoever wants to come can come i'm very easy like that i never want nobody to feel forced to celebrate me like that's weird like i'm never gonna do that but if people want to come you know feel free anybody can come invite whoever but i know i mentioned to her that i thought it would be really really cool if my grandmother could see me graduate because she was with me for a lot of my childhood youth and let me tell y'all i wasn't the greatest child i caused a lot of problems to the point where i don't think many people in my family thought i was going to be where i'm at today because i was a little wild i was a little off and you know a lot of times when kids are wild they grow up and just get even more wild and i know that there was probably times my nana worried that i wouldn't be okay so for me it was important to show her like look I'm graduating college. Y'all can't say nothing to me. Back then, that was it for me. I graduated college. I can do whatever I want now. Y'all can't tell me a thing. And I just really wanted 
the woman who was took a part in raising me to be there and see that but i knew that she was scared to fly i knew that that was something that just couldn't happen and i didn't hold it against her because when you're scared of things like that's a real thing it wasn't a selfish thing she was doing she just really was not comfortable flying and i would never make her do something like that i was in nebraska she's in sacramento california that is a flight so we get to the graduation day and we're having my like pre-graduation dinner dinner where like people are just getting into town so like we just people are showing up to the restaurant and we're just at this big table whatever and i'm sitting and talking i got my my friends with me people is there blah blah and then like everybody just got real quiet and everybody starts looking at me and i'm like yo what y'all looking at like what's going on like i'm about to bring me out a cake or something like what's up and they had me turn around and i turn around and it's my nana it's my grandmother she walks into this restaurant in lincoln nebraska Yes, ladies and gentlemen, she loved me so much that she conquered a lifelong fear to come be there for me on my special moment. And ladies and gentlemen, that is the only person I saw the rest of that night is I could not just stop staring at her, hugging her and holding her because I could not believe that she did such a selfless thing for me. Somebody who has been through so much BS. Somebody that did not have to be there because I wouldn't have felt no type of way. I wouldn't have said anything. I wouldn't have felt bad at all because I would have understood. But she still was there for me. To this day, I have not seen her attend an event. In my mind, that is the first and last event she has ever flown to. And to me, that means so much. Because to me, I think that story touches on the closest and bond between me and my grandmother and you truly hope when you lose somebody that they know how much acts like that mean to them i'm sure she did because me i was always like the the grandkid that was always trying to get her to smile she was very like you know very very stern and very serious at times right so i always took a lot of pride in making her laugh and making her smile and getting her to say i love you back because that wasn't she wasn't like she was she loved me to death but she wasn't a very outwardly loving person so like getting her to tell me, yo, I love you too, or getting her to laugh and smile and I always call her beautiful and it would just make her day. Like those were the things that just like made me so amped because all I ever wanted to do was make this lady smile because she gave me one of the greatest memories I ever had. And it was wild because I went home to California to say goodbye to her while she was, you know, on her last days. And it's wild because she still, like I told y'all to start. I knew I could go to my Nana for a good laugh. I know I could go to her for some good drama, for just something good, something entertaining. And ladies and gentlemen, on her last days, on her deathbed, she managed to bring me another hilarious moment. And it felt as if it just had happened for me, right? Like the stars had just aligned for me to just get one good laugh at the side of my beautiful grandmother. So ladies and gentlemen, my aunt, who, my, like I said, I have six aunts and uncles, right? I have, I think it's four aunts. No, I have five aunts and two uncles, something like that, right? It's, it's a large amount of people. And my oldest aunt, the oldest of the bunch, she had been staying there with my grandmother just to make sure she was okay because we had heard that she had just had hours to days to live. So at any moment she could pass and we didn't want her to be alone during that time. So she lives in Sacramento. So she was able to stay there with her. And when she came to stay with my grandma she was a little better off so she was still talking so as she has stayed for almost like i think a few weeks at this point she was able to have a few conversations with my grandmother because initially she wasn't that 
far off. Like she was able to talk, she was able to communicate, and she mentioned this young man named Fred. Yes, my grandmother told her oldest daughter that she had met a young man named Fred in a nursing home and that he was very, very nice to her. So nice to her that he told her she was the most beautiful woman he had ever seen. Yeah, Fred, this guy Fred. And of course my aunt, loving the drama just like me, loving the juice, loving the stories. She went on a hunt in this nursing home to look for this man Fred. So she walks around the nursing home and what's on our nursing homes, you know, they have doors with like names and labels on it, right? So she's looking for Fred. She's looking for the name label of Fred. No name labels on doors that say Fred. She doesn't see it. She cannot find this Fred character. So then she goes up to the front desk. Because like I said, she was determined to figure out who this Fred fellow was. She wanted to see what he looked like. Because my grandmother had mentioned how handsome this Fred character was. So my aunt goes to the front desk and asks the young ladies, they're about my age, maybe even a little younger. Hey, do you guys know somebody named Fred? And both Hispanic young women, the heavier set one, looked at my aunt and responded, oh, you mean Frederico? My aunt said, Frederico? She said, yeah, Frederico. We love Frederico. And like I said, this young lady, probably 25, 26, and we do not know how old this Fred, Frederico character is. So now, my aunt's even more intrigued. And she comes back and tells us the news. She reports to us. She tells us what has transpired with Frederico. So now we're all, we all want to know. We're all like, where's he at? Where's he at? Did you find his room? Did you find his room? We all want to know who is Frederico. But at this point, Frederico is just a myth. We have heard of Frederico, but we have not seen Frederico. But it's in all of our minds. You know, we're dealing with some heavy things right now. Like I said, our grandmother is passing. But Federico stays in our mind. Because there's one thing about my grandmother. There's one thing about my nana. She can bag him and she can tag him. The fellas love her. Because she's a beautiful, beautiful young lady. And she just manages to find these once-in-a-lifetime type guys. Much like my grandfather. Yes, my grandfather was a rolling stone of shorts, and yes, he was one of a kind. But let me tell y'all, they had the love and fiery passion that you only see in Hispanic romance movies. Ladies and gentlemen, yes, they saucered through the nights. They partied every single day. Yes, this love and fiery romance between my grandmother and grandfather was historic. And it seemed as if, after him, very similar gentlemen to my grandfather would follow. Ladies men, if you will. So we're very interested to see who Frederico is because clearly he's made a name for himself in this nursing home. But out of respect, the workers didn't give us too much personal information about Frederico. So on that day, on that night, we had to let it go. So go back to the hotel room. Me and the family spend some time together. My aunt stays there and we see her the next morning. We come back and she has news for us. She has seen Frederico. Not only has she seen Frederico, she has met Frederico. Because, once again, my aunt being the curious, curious young lady that she is, she goes on the hunt again for Frederico. She goes on the hunt again for Frederico, and then she finds a nurse that is willing to point her in the direction. Because I'm sure she's asked a few nurses. I'm sure she's even handed a few dollars off to some nurses to try to figure out who this Fred character is that's pushing up on her mother. 
And yes, she gets lucky enough to find one of these nurses. So the nurse says, oh, Frederico, I know Frederico well. Let me take you to his room. He doesn't have a name tag on his door. Why he doesn't have a name tag on his door, I'm not completely sure. But Frederico is the one person in this nurse home that doesn't have his name on the door. So the nurse knocks on the door and cracks it open and says, Frederico, we have a guest for you. It's a young lady. And Frederico responds in a deep Hispanic voice. Let her in. Now, I didn't hear him say this, but in my mind, this is where we're at with it, right? Frederico is that, okay? He's the Dosa Keys guy, all right? He is that. Let her in. And the nurse lets my aunt in. And my aunt's 50, 60 range, you know, but compared to Frederico, I'm assuming she's a young stallion. So she goes into the room, and the first thing she notices is what she says is there's paintings all over the wall. Frederico is an artist. He is a creative, ladies and gentlemen. Yes. So she notices that right away and heard Frederico talk. And she says, yes, yes, I remember Beatrice. That's my grandmother's name. Yes, I remember her. A lovely, lovely young lady. You're lovely as well. You sure are beautiful. Frederico starts giving my aunt the same game he was feeding her mother. Just, just days separated. He feeding her the game. But just he being slight about it. Frederico, an original OG. You could tell. He an old school pimp. He ain't putting it on too hard. He's kind of just giving her the little bit, you know. He says, yeah, I like to, I like to paint women. I, li I like to paint women. And, you know, he hits her with that. That's it. He just says a little something, you know, look at my paintings, you know. And my aunt's being nice. She's like, oh, okay. That's really, really nice. That's cool. You know, and she, she's polite. And now she's seen him. She knows who he is. She's seen enough. She's ready to go. So she leaves him. She leaves and says bye to Federico. Maybe about an hour later, she runs into the nurse again that had let her in to Federico's room. And the nurse said, oh, Federico, he loved you. Federico said, she can come to my room anytime. If you see her, send her to my room. Is what Federico said about my aunt. Now. My aunt came back quite excited because not only was Federico as handsome as my grandmother depicted but he was also a veteran which means he had benefits ladies and gentlemen and to aging women there is nothing more important or special than a man with benefits so they were ecstatic oh Frederico has benefits now we are having conversations about how we get Frederico and my grandmother to hook up so that maybe we can get some of them benefits from Frederico because he seemed like such a nice gallant gentleman the next day, we leave. We come back to the nursing home. And now we're all in a room together. My aunts, a couple of my uncles. And we're discussing Frederico again. He is a topic of discussion because he is just something that is allowing us to laugh and is a great distraction from what is going on. Because all of us are heartbroken. All of us are sad, right? And the nurse that's in there, she's preparing a shot for my grandmother. And she hears us mention Frederico. And she perks up and she turns around and looks at us. And she said, Frederico, you need to stay away from Frederico. And she's like whispering, like she like lowered her tone and everything. Is this Frederico was in the other room where he was going to hear? Or is it Frederico had like a mafia of people? She was quiet. She was whispering. You need to be careful with Frederico. Frederico lures old women to his room and offers to paint them. He approaches these women, unknowing, vulnerable, possibly lonely because they're in a nursing home and he says come to my room i'll paint you 
And what happens when Frederico gets these women to his room? Ladies and gentlemen, we're all adults here. I don't have to tell you. I don't have to tell you what Frederico does, but this pimp was laying pipe up and down the nursing home, according to this nurse. And he was trying to make my nana the next victim, ladies and gentlemen. How dare you? How dare you, Frederico? How dare you? Not only were you trying to make my grandmother the next victim, you're trying to make my aunt the next victim too. That's wild, Frederico. That's wild. And it gets crazier because now my mom's on the hunt. Because now my mom's a little crazier, right? She probably heard that and didn't really like that. Wanted to see the scum that was pushing up on my aunt, on my grandmother, on her sister, on her mother. She was curious now. So she's walking through, and then she finds the same nurse that was very, very happy to take us to Frederico's room. And she says, where's Frederico? Do you know where Frederico is? And the lady's like, oh, no, he's around here somewhere. Just keep walking. You'll find him. And as my mom's walking around looking for Frederico, she sees an elderly couple. She sees an elderly couple sitting and watching a movie. And in her mind, she says, wow, that's beautiful. That couple has probably been together for 50 or 60 years, and they are spending their golden years in this home together, cuddled up watching movies. Yes, ladies and gentlemen, this man had his woman held tight, as if she was the only woman in the world. And my mother saw that and said, oh, that's beautiful. But she continued about her hunt because she could not let this beautiful display of love and affection stop her from her main goal. And that is finding Frederico. We have to find Frederico is what my mom is thinking so she continues about her hunt and then she runs into the nurse once again she says i cannot find frederico where is he i know he has to be here somewhere and she's once again in that little movie room where the couple is watching the movie and the lady stops her and said excuse me ma'am i'm sorry but frederico is right here yes ladies and gentlemen frederico was the man cuddled up with the woman who maybe was his wife maybe was just another fling but not only was he bagging these broads up and down the nursing home he was doing it in public ladies and gentlemen this was a public display of affection for all of his other hoes to see and it was to the point where my mother thought this was old married couple yes ladies and gentlemen my grandmother was in a nursing home with a menace Frederico, you're a menace, man. I've heard about old-ass geezers like you walking around nursing homes, just taking advantage of these poor, old, lonely ladies, these lonely widows. I've heard of y'all, but I didn't think they existed, let alone did I think I would come in contact with a Frederico. Frederico, I'm on to you, brother. I'm on to you. The family's on to you. Yes, now my nana is gone, but thank goodness she didn't get spun in your web, Frederico. But, ladies and gentlemen, it was just so funny to know that another Rolling Stone, another crazy, pimped out Hispanic brother was throwing it at my grandmother for one last time. For one last time, because like I said, my grandmother and grandfather had a fiery romance. They loved each other so much. I even truly believe to the very end of both of their lives that there was not a person on earth that they loved more than one another. I truly believe that. But let me tell you, when you talk about a love-hate relationship, oh my goodness. There was one thing my grandmother was doing towards the end of her time. And she would take her blanket and cover it over her face and go like this. Take her blanket and cover it over her face. And everybody's like, why is she doing that? Why is she doing that? That's so crazy. Why is she doing that? And I said, you know what it is. 
Papa's probably trying to call up to heaven, and she's like, hell no, send somebody else, and she's covering up. Yes, ladies and gentlemen, my grandmother was talking shit and funny to the very last moment, and that is how I will always remember her. Making me laugh, giving me a good story to tell, and fighting to the very end. Ladies and gentlemen, shout out Beatrice Pena, my amazing grandmother, my last living grandparent. I love you so much. Thank you for everything you've ever done for me and my family. And like I told you while you were laying there in your last moments of life, I promise you to protect my family. I promise you that no other Cobra or Pena will struggle the way that you and my grandfather had to. Because y'all had to struggle to make it, right? Y'all had to struggle so that I could exist, so that my mother could exist and have a good life, so that my aunts and uncles could have a good life, so me and my cousins could have good lives. Y'all sacrifices will not be put in vain, and I promise you that. So I dedicate the 25th episode of the podcast to Beatrice Pena, my nana. Thank you so much for giving me so much joy, so much love, and so much laughter to your very, very last moments. Shout out to my nana Pena. Ladies and gentlemen, this is episode 25. Episode 25 of your favorite podcast, my favorite podcast, your mama's favorite podcast, the Out of Character Podcast, episode 25. I am your host, Brian Colbert. My friends call me BC. You can call me BC too if you're listening. If you're listening, we appreciate you for listening. If you are a first-time listener, welcome. If you are a returning listener, welcome back. We hope you have enjoyed thus far. We're almost done, ladies and gentlemen. We got some more to get into. Now, ladies and gentlemen, today is Friday, June 18th. Friday, June 18th. The United States made Juneteenth. Yes, ladies and gentlemen, Juneteenth, a federal holiday. Now, for those of you that do not know what Juneteenth is, don't feel bad because it's not something that is taught in most schools. It is not something I grew up learning about. I didn't find out about it until I was much older, until I was a college student. Now, Juneteenth is the anniversary of June 19th, 1865, when slaves in Texas were first told that they had been freed. Now, it had taken two years for the Emancipation Proclamation to happen after that. And even after Abraham Lincoln passed that, slaves were still a thing all through the United States. But this is something we as black folks celebrate because it's like our Independence Day. It's like our Fourth of July because we all know that we were not American citizens, that we were just one fifth of a person for a very, very long time so juneteenth has been something that black people have privately celebrated we've had cookouts we've had celebrations we make t-shirts we have concerts we do all these things just to celebrate black excellence and what america has decided to do what the u.s government has decided is that juneteenth will now be a federal holiday which basically just means whoever working on juneteenth will now get holiday pay that's about all that means to me now yes it recognizes something that we have tried to teach white people for a long time that this date is a very important day in history even more important to us than the fourth of july is because it's our independence day but it is just not something that white people seem to really want to talk about or want to understand and like i said a lot of people even black folks do not know much about juneteenth so hearing that you maybe would assume that people would just be elated that this has become a holiday but most people were not. And I know what some of you skeptics are going to say. Y'all going to roll your eyes. Y'all going to suck y'all teeth and say, oh, we just can't make y'all happy. There, What can make y'all happy? There is nothing we can do. Can y'all just take a win? Blah, 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 blah. No, we cannot. 
No, we cannot. Because to this very day, there are still terrible, nasty racial injustices happening all over our country. Is a holiday going to change that? Is recognizing that Juneteenth is a thing going to stop black men and women and children from getting murdered in the street by police officers and nothing happening to them? Is that going to change because Juneteenth is a holiday now? Doubt it. Now, what I've seen all over the Internet is people, one, complaining about Juneteenth and why it bothers them, but then also a lot of people not fully understanding why it's pretty much insulting for them to make Juneteenth a holiday when there's so much other things that we have been asking for. Because I promise y'all, ladies and gentlemen, this was not one of them. We've asked for police reform. We've asked for certain voting laws and acts to be put in place to protect minority voters. We have asked for a ton of things. We have not asked for another holiday. We haven't. Martin Luther King Jr. Day didn't keep y'all from murdering us in the streets, from carrying those tiki torches and calling us the N-word and not giving us jobs and treating us crazy when we walk into stores. Martin Luther King Jr. Day didn't change any of that. But it's something a lot of white folks wanted to hang their hat on and say, you know what, just be happy. At least y'all have that. At least y'all got Black History Month. Y'all give us these little participation trophies and just expect us to be elated and be happy. Because y'all almost kind of sort of treating us like equals. And that's just not the case. We're not slaves anymore. We're not slaves anymore. We demand the same respect allotted to all Americans. And it is something that is not happening. So you ask, why are people so upset? Here's one thing. It is illegal in a number of states in the United States to even teach about Juneteenth. Yes, ladies and gentlemen, critical race theory. Ever heard of it? Critical race theory. What critical race theory does is it makes a connection between politics and race. But what legislatures have said and have tried to prove and have successfully proven in some states is that critical race theory makes it seem as if the government adds to the racial and social injustices of minorities. That the government's main agenda or one of their agendas is to uplift white people and make their lives better than ours. So they banned critical race theory from teachings. So that means anything with race and politics, anything with race and politics, which includes Juneteenth, cannot be taught in schools that states ban this critical race theory, which is Arkansas, Idaho, Florida, and Oklahoma. And it's on like voting bills for like 15 other states in america but y'all gonna give us a holiday but y'all are gonna say it's okay to not talk about race in certain schools so then what are y'all gonna do for this holiday are y'all just gonna ignore it because y'all can't talk about it so once again ladies and gentlemen a slap in the face that feels ridiculous y'all have legislation and laws that prohibit y'all to teach the truth about racism and politics but y'all want us to be happy that juneteenth is a holiday it makes no sense it makes no sense we're not children we weren't born yesterday when you tell us things that don't make sense we're gonna ask questions we're gonna be like what the fuck is that it leads me to question why you all can unanimously vote on this 
on making this a holiday but you all cannot agree upon the john lewis voting rights act the john lewis voting rights act simply protects minorities from dealing with racial scrutinies when they're trying to vote which is something we saw in the past few elections how hard how many obstacles there are that keep black and brown people from being able to vote and all this act would do would eliminate all of that but we can't agree on that we've been up in arms about that for years do you all know that lynching is not technically like federally illegal lynching lynching is still something that can be done and not be considered a federal crime now they introduced the act in a bill in 2018 to get lynching to be considered a federal hate crime but they couldn't agree on that yes ladies and gentlemen people in 2018 to 2021 cannot agree that lynching that hanging another human being should be considered a hate crime but we can all agree that juneteenth needs to be a holiday and that white people and black people will get paid extra if they work this day and let me tell y'all a lot of these companies including my own aren't paying us extra on this day so yes it's a federal holiday but it's not a holiday for every black person so once again no we are not satisfied i don't have to bring up all the names of all of the lives we have lost just in the past decade to police brutality to police ignorance and to just overall hatred we see it all the time we're asking for reform we're asking for y'all to train these cops a little differently we're asking for a lot some people even ask for reparations i'm not saying that's what i asked for i'm not saying i'm asking for any of these things I'm just telling y'all what's going on with people, what people are feeling, what people are trying to tell y'all when they say, no, this isn't enough. I remember a few years back, they told us Harriet Tubman was going to be on the $20 bill. And oh my gosh, my friends said it in the group chat. They were so ecstatic. They were so elated. And I was furious. I was furious. This was about five, six years ago. I was furious because I could not believe that my educated and smart gifted friends could fall for something like this y'all are excited about this oh this was a win to them oh this was a win to all the social injustices everywhere to them and it didn't make any sense to me because i was right too i said she's never gonna be on a 20 to this day i've never seen her on any u.s currency and i also asked the question which i ask now so what so what what happens what happens yes we have a ton of old slave owners on our money and it'd be nice to have one of our people on the currency but other than that what is it it's nice yeah it's cool that juneteenth is a holiday i guess yeah it's cool that y'all recognize the crazy things that has happened in the past i guess but it's mute if states throughout the u.s can't even teach about it because that's the whole point about juneteenth and why we want y'all to know about it is because we want to bring awareness to it we want to show y'all our history and what's important to us something that y'all just have not seemed to care about because no matter what if you're an, if you say you're an ally if you've been an ally 
at the end of the day, I promise you, if you are a white woman or man, you would never trade places with me. I promise you. I promise you. If we have the same exact job, if we have the same exact degree, if we have the same exact skill set, you would not trade places with me. Because your job would probably be a little bit harder. Your bills might be a little more expensive. Your day-to-day might be a little more stressful. And I don't care if you're an ally. If you are a true ally, you can look at yourself in the mirror and say, you know what, you are absolutely right. I would not trade places. Because you are right. Life would be harder. And if you could say that to yourself, that is a problem. And that is why we are not happy with these little gifts, these little pats on the butt, these little attaboys that y'all try to give us in this country. No, we are not impressed. We are not amused. And no, this is not enough. There are still a ton of things we need from this country. There's a lot we need from our allies. There's a lot we need from our government. So ladies and gentlemen, when you take the time to judge black and brown people for not being satisfied, ask yourself why. Ask yourself how many times that black or brown person has been kicked. Ask yourself how many times this black or brown person has been kicked while they were down. Ask them how many times they've been kicked while they were down this week alone. Not just because life is tough, but because of the color of their skin. I promise you, every single one of them will tell you, yeah, it's been a week. It's been a month. It's been a year. It's been a lifetime. So please understand why people are not satisfied. I just wanted to give you a little explanation. I hope I made sense. I hope I was clear to you all. These things I said aren't necessarily my views, but I love seeing everyone's views on it. And I too can tell you all, I see things like this and I say, so what? So what? What happens now? It's the same old show. It's the same old record. It goes on and on and on. We know what real change looks like. We've seen it before. We've seen real change. Giving us a holiday for Juneteenth is not one of those things. It's not one of those things I'm going to tell my great-grandkids. Like, oh, man, I remember when I saw this happen. I'm going to tell them about Obama becoming president because that was huge. Seeing a black man represent the United States was something a lot of us never thought we'd see. Juneteenth being a holiday is probably not something I'm going to say, oh, I remember when this happened. I'm going to make sure my kids know about it. I'm going to make sure no matter what school they go to, they are taught about all of these things and that they always know the truth. And I'm very proud that my son goes to an all-black school because I know he will always know the right history. Not the white history, but the right history. Ladies and gentlemen, this is episode 25. Episode 25 of the Out of Character Podcast. As always, I'm your host, Brian Colbert. My friends call me BC. You can call me BC too if you're listening. If you're listening, we appreciate you for listening. If you are a first-time listener, welcome. If you're a returning listener, welcome back. We hope you have enjoyed yourself so far. Before we let you go, ladies and gentlemen, I got to give you one more quick story. I got to tell you one more story. It was almost inspiring to me. It's warm now, ladies and gentlemen. It's hot out. And I'm very, very lucky. My new crib is but two and a half miles away from my gym. Yes, ladies and gentlemen, I love going to the gym. And I love riding my bike to the gym 
in the summertime. And two and a half miles there and back, five miles total, is not bad at all. So I love taking my bike. And it's beautiful. I live near water. I live near great scenery and scenic sights. So when I ride my bike, I get to see all kind of great things. And I also live in a neighborhood filled of black and brown kings and queens. And when you live in a neighborhood full of minorities, ladies and gentlemen, you see some great things. You see some exciting things. You see some entertaining things. And you're also like family. So when people see you around, they see you out and about, they flag you down, they talk to you. So I'm riding back from the gym, I'm on my bike, and I'm going over this bridge. And this particular bridge, I always seem to see people fishing on this bridge. And it's not just like one or two people. It be droves of people, 10, 12, 15 trucks just lined up of people spending their entire afternoons fishing on this bridge. And so I've always been quite curious of what they are catching what is out there like it has to be something worth a lot of money because they be out there deep all day every day so i'm riding my bike and there's just one guy out there and i don't have my glasses on because i was at the gym so i can't really see who it is but the guy flags me down he waves me over he says hey neighbor one of the guys from my neighborhood i guess he's seen me around didn't fully recognize him but he seemed friendly so i was like okay i'm gonna want to on him and he's fishing he's like yo come look at this and I get closer and I'm seeing, I could hear the reel. I could hear the line of his reel. And he's, he's wrestling something. He's wrestling something big and strong. And I can't see what it is. The water's a little dark, so I don't know what this is. So it has my attention, ladies and gentlemen. Because like I said, I've always wondered, what in the world is in this lake? What are they fishing for? What are they catching? But ladies and gentlemen, let me tell you the way this man was struggling. This thing had to have been a monster. It had to have been a doozy. You could just see it getting closer and closer and closer. And I said, dude, what are you doing? Like, are you catching? He said, yeah, I'm trying, but my buddy, this thing's too big. So my buddy's off to go get a net, and then he's coming back, and we're going to catch this thing together. So I said, oh, this thing has to be huge. But I didn't want to ask too many questions because my man was focused. He was trying to catch whatever was in this water. So he's reeling, he's reeling, and now this thing's getting closer. And I'm starting to be able to see what it is in the water and it looks like this massive huge bass it's this big beautiful colorful fish right and i'm assuming it's a bass because i really don't know anything about fish so i'm just gonna call it a bass because a bass sounds like a big colorful fish right right so this bass is swimming and it's putting up one heck of a fight ladies and gentlemen it is putting up one heck of a fight so much so that i start to root for the fish yes ladies and gentlemen i begin to hope and pray that somehow this fish escapes because it was beautiful ladies and gentlemen and i'm not a fisher i'm not a hunter so i don't have that killer instinct that maybe these fishermen have right but i'm not saying anything i'm being quiet i am just filming because i cannot believe what i am seeing i've never seen anything like this but i can't turn away i have to see how this ends how are they going to catch such a massive fish this fish looked like it was about my size ladies and gentlemen it was huge it was huge so Rightfully so, this guy was excited, and his friend comes, and he brings the net, and we have the fish here, and at this point, the fish is kind of just kind of stopped moving. Doesn't seem as if it was dead, but it just kind of seems as if the fight is over, that this man is going to catch this fish, and he's excited. You can hear him talking to his buddy, oh, this is my Father's Day meal, this is my Father's Day meal, oh, I'm so excited. He was so excited, but a part of me still had hope ladies and gentlemen not that he didn't get to have a good father's day meal because i want him to have a great father's day but i was rooting for this little fishy i was rooting for little fishy i wanted little fishy to make it out of this for some reason i don't know little fishy i don't know little fishy's people 
I've never met Little Fishy. I've never broke bread with Little Fishy, but I rooted for Little Fishy. I was rooting for him, ladies and gentlemen. So they bring this big net and they bring it down the bridge. They draw it down and now they have the net and the fisher and they're trying to work together to capture this fish. And like I said, ladies and gentlemen, I thought it was over because Little Fishy is just kind of laying there. He's just chilling. But little did I notice, ladies and gentlemen, what Little Fishy was doing was Little Fishy was being poised and patient. Yes, ladies and gentlemen, Little Fishy was being poised and patient within tragedy. His life maybe was flashing before his eyes. It might have been all over for Little Fishy. He might have seen his Little Fishy friends go out in that same way. Like I said, they fish every day, so I'm sure he's lost plenty of kin to these fishers. Little fishy, poised, calm, relaxed, allows the net to get close enough to the fish, allows the net to get close enough to him to where these fishermen relaxed, let out a sigh of relief because they thought they won. Got him, got him, they said, got him. And just like that, ladies and gentlemen, little fishy did a zigzag maneuver, went through the net and broke the fish fish line that was holding him captive and made his escape yes ladies and gentlemen little fishy swam away and was never caught who knows where little fishy is at now little fishy might be in the atlantic ocean again little fishy was in one of the wildest moments of his or her life because i really don't know if it was a male or woman fish but i'm calling it a man fish because it was so damn big little fishy was in the battle of his life. Little Fishy was moments away from it all being over. From everything he ever loved, everything he ever worked for, to be taken away from him. Just moments away from being somebody's Father's Day dinner. Now Little Fishy could have panicked, could have flopped around, could have went crazy. But all that would have done would made it so much easier to catch Little Fishy. All the flopping and stuff would have been super easy for them to just catch it in the net and have their food and Little Fishy would have been done. But instead, this little fish matched up against two human beings who are supposed to be smarter than Little Fishy. Little Fishy was matched up against these two humans and showed the poison grace in which I hope anyone that is listening will show when faced with tragedy. Because ladies and gentlemen, just like Little Fishy, that poise, that grace, when faced with tragedy, when faced with trauma, when faced with just a bad day, that poise and grace can be the difference between life or death, between getting caught up or set free. So ladies and gentlemen, when you find yourself in between a rock and a hard place, in between a fishing line and a net, remember Little Fishy. Remember the lesson that Little Fishy taught me on that day. Stay poised, stay patient, and stay graceful. Because the fight is never truly over until it's over. Little Fishy didn't give up on himself. Little Fishy didn't throw in the towel when things got hard. Little Fishy could have called it quits as soon as that hook was in his mouth. But Little Fishy didn't. Little Fishy kept going. So what are you going to do in that situation? What are you going to do when they trying to hem you up? When they trying to take you out your comfort zone? When they trying to take you from your home? 
when they're trying to take you from your family, when they're trying to take everything you've worked for, what are you going to do? Are you going to panic? Are you going to get riled up and go deeper and deeper into their trap? Or are you going to stay patient? Are you going to stay poised? And are you going to stay confident so that you too can remain free? Ladies and gentlemen, if you don't listen to anything else I talked about on this episode, listen to this. Patience, poise, and grace is everything in great moments and in bad moments. I promise you, if you can stay poised, if you can stay patient, if you can stay graceful, I promise y'all, y'all can make it through anything. Ladies and gentlemen, this is episode 25 of the Out of Character Podcast. I am your host, Brian Colbert. My friends call me BC. You will call me BC too if you're listening. And if you're listening, we appreciate you for listening. And as always, ladies and gentlemen, God bless.